0: hello this is chris Fomsby, president of burlap and i'm here with chris abel the co-host of the burlap podcast hello chris here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna ask you a couple questions normally listeners we do put some thoughts together before we do a podcast right we kind of read some articles or we share some ideas today i'm just gonna ambush you you ready
1: uh i'm not sure about this so <laughs> just to be clear I have not. I have no idea what Chris is about exactly. to ask me. So I don't know the topic. We're just gonna. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Do you trust me? Uh, sometimes. <laughs>
0: well, this is gonna be easy for you, I think. All right. But I bring just want to know what's off the top of your head. What do I get to win? Okay. First of all, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. How old are you? I'm 33. 33. How millennial are you on a scale of one to ten? I'm probably a good eight. Okay. Here's my questions for you. With
1: the ten being like. You only have skinny jeans. Yeah. You you have student loans. You only you don't have own any property. You, you go serve on every night of the week. <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff. Um,
0: I'm just trying to get a feel for, for I'm actually trying to give our listeners a feel for like who I'm actually asking these questions of. Okay. Okay. So 33 years old. Eight on a scale of one to ten on how millennial you are. I'm a millennial. That's right. If there was such chart. a thing. Now, I'm sure there is somewhere out there. If you probably look, you'll There's find. It's like
1: one. a BuzzFeed quiz?
0: Yes. This is exactly what that is. It's this right is under what Harry this. Potter character are you? Okay, I'm done ad living. <laughs> okay. When you hear the phrase, when I was your age, what do you think of? How does that make you feel? When somebody like me, Xer, boomer, maybe older, builder, says
1: to you, well, when I was your age. How long of a response do you want? Just bring it, man. I want to know how you feel. Okay. What it immediately says to me either I have just said something that they don't like to hear okay. or they're about to just hear my opinion and completely discard it. Okay. That's what I that's what it says to me. So,
0: if I was to say to you like, man, when I was your age, like it was just different. You just don't understand. That's essentially what people have said to you in the past, right? And then mm-hmm. I'm referring to the blog post that you wrote. Obviously, now you're kind of getting where I'm going with this. The blog post that's posted at ThinkBurlap.com. It's called "Lost in Translation: What These Three Phrases Mean to Millennials." And I think it was a June, uh, sorry, July third post. So, when I was your age, why did why was that one of the
1: phrases that you selected? Uh, because I've personally had it happen to me recently. So, not recently. I feel like. Um, there's a particular like kind of person who uses that phrase. I feel most people are pretty cognizant to know that like, that's a little belittling. I guess it's a patronizing phrase. Right. And so it was used in the context of like negotiating how my hours were spent as a youth minister. Okay. And my senior pastor had me sit up on stage in a robe, literally doing nothing most Sundays. And it was 20% of my work hours. And I was like, man, this is inefficient. I'm just sitting here, man. Like I should be out there with students. Like let me do my job. And to him, it was just a different generational thing. He he thought it meant a lot to the older folks who wanted to see the youth minister in the robe up front, which to me shows, you know, like he might have a So his comment to
0: you was when I was your age, basically I did whatever I was told.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. he. So he, he was feeling disrespected. Mm-hmm. He was feeling like you should just earn your way. Kind of. You, you mentioned the phrase, suck it up, that you should just suck it up and do what you're supposed to do. Yep. All right. So I hear this phrase. I'm getting old enough now where I've actually said this. Really? Right? I don't think to I like said it. Your kids? I or? Well, yes, definitely my kids. But it's with my kids, it isn't so much that like, well, that's not true now that I think about it. There are times where I, I compare how I parent to how I was parented, right? So, like, I might say things like, man, when I was your age, I would never get away with talking like that to your mom, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But its I never really meant mean to hold it over their head as if to say, like, you know, patronizing sort of, you know. But I say it sometimes when I coach sports and things like that but i try really hard not to say this in the context of like a working relationship like you have not heard me say this to you have you no (laughs) okay good (laughs) i just gotta check man you'd be honest with me right
1: no in fact i feel like you respect my space so much sometimes that i'm one like there will be times when i'm wondering like i wonder you know man would would chris like do this differently like what would he do if he was in my shoes Mm. you know well they're your shoes yeah Right? And I haven't specifically asked you what you would do <laughs> right. if you were my shoes. Well, you could ask me anytime. Yeah.
0: All right, here's the next one. Okay. You write in this post again at stinkbarlap.com. The title of it is Lost in Translation: What These 3 Phrases Mean to Millennials. And you said number 2 phrase, maybe someday. Is that in the same vein as sort of when I was your age, almost like a a placating or a patronizing kind of a or is that how you mean that to um, be lost in translation?
1: You know, when I hear someone who's a little older, you know, the context of that that phrase, for me at least, is, you know, when somebody comes up, like, a young whippersnapper comes up, they have an idea, they want to change something, that, that's always the context that this comes up, right? Like, oh, we can start this new ministry program. Oh, and I've heard pastors joke about this, like, um, you know, the response to when someone's like, oh, we can do this new ministry program, the response is, okay, when are you going to lead it, right? Like, I've heard pastors joke about that all the time. Um, but I feel like, Often the reality is that the pastor just like immediately, most pastors and leaders are already stressed, like stressed. They already have their plates full. They're stretched thin. And then someone comes with this like ambitious idea or how things could change. And I think that's usually the, th- the, the impetus that leads to the comment of just maybe someday, right? They don't want to say no and hurt someone's feelings, but they can't say yes because they don't have the energy or the bandwidth, right? right. But
0: in the article or the post, you say that it actually does mean essentially the code for no.
1: Well, that's how there's a difference between this is with all language, right? There's a difference between what someone intends, right? Any, Anybody who's ever been in a relationship can, 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 uh, can understand this, right? Like what you mean when you say that thing and how it's received by someone you love or even someone you don't know. Uh, are two different things, right? So that even though that pastor might say, or that leader might say, hey, maybe, well, you know, maybe someday, that's their code for internally. They're saying, well, I just don't have the bandwidth. I don't know how we're going to do this. Well, what committee is going to, what am I going to have to go through? How many shoes are going to, toes are going to get stuck Where are we going to get the budget, whatever. Yeah. And then what this, what, what usually the young person who's approaching this leader hears, though, um, is I don't trust you. Okay, so
0: let's uh, flip the other side of it, right? And... We're looking at it from the angle of the person who might say maybe someday. So the, the pastor or the leader. Right now we're talking about them and yeah. how they say things and why they might say that. In what I, should, I guess I should ask, what would be a better way for them to say the same? Maybe, what would be a better way for them to articulate the fact that, hey, it is a good idea. We just can't do it right now. Is that just plain and simple like that? Or, like, give some people some handles for, like, dealing with this. Because I think right. this is a super common one It comes up all the time. I talk to young leaders in, in churches weekly, right? They're either emailing or they're texting or they're hitting me in DMs, you know, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, questions about leading in the context in which they don't have power, authority, title, which, as we all know, sometimes mean nothing because leadership is an activity. Anybody can do it. But there are challenges, right? One of which is they come with these great ideas or what they feel like are great ideas and they're met with, well, maybe someday. What would be a better way to articulate that? If,
1: How would you want to hear it? Yeah. Well, I mean, even I realize sometimes when I'm, an, an, you know, someone who comes with an, an idea that not, all, not every idea is a good idea, you know? So this, there's this filter, right, in my own internal head. But stuff still makes it through that filter, right? And then I, I'll sometimes speak it out without understanding all the nuances. But So there's this secondary kind of think filter that things have to go through. But sometimes, you know, you have to realize like an idea isn't always gonna make it or isn't suited for a particular context. But I think like most people who, I th- and not every millennial is gonna, or Gen Z is going to be an, you know, ideologue. Like we're not going to all, we're all, it's it's not an entire generation of coming up with new ideas or trying to change things. But there are a lot of people who who are like that. And so I find that the best thing to do in those contexts is to like maybe schedule a coffee and listen and then actually have a conversation about it. And it might actually go somewhere because if you're not even digesting the idea, and that's the problem is weariness or busyness keeps leaders from actually considering ideas that could very well be perfect
0: good I saw Eugene Peterson tweet I don't know if he tweets his own stuff and I know he's been in the news lately as it relates to some of the comments that he made related to homosexuality in the church and then sort of retracting that and I you know I didn't follow the whole situation back and forth so it's not fair for me to count uh, comment on that but I have read, it, uh, he's posted several times where someone has posted for him, however he handles that, that a busy pastor is a lazy pastor. Ooh. And I think that is so true. Like I think with someone just patting you on the head and saying maybe someday is a lazy way out Yeah. because it does not require a conversation. It does not require digging deeper. It does not honor necessarily the person who's sharing the ideas. You know, I just think it's lazy. I think it takes much more time, and it's harder to ask questions. Like, well, what would this mean for our church if we were to do this? Or what would this mean for the community? Or how far along have you thought about this? You know, what are the implications if we were to do this? Or maybe how does this connect to the why or the purpose of our church? Like, it's just easier to say, yeah, yeah, maybe someday. You know, and we code that in all kinds of nice words and nice language. Typically, my experience in working with churches over the last 20-some years is that no one has ever said anything to me in a mean way, like, related to conversations like me sharing my ideas. I've been yelled at and sworn at and all kinds of stuff, but I'm talking about, in relationship to me posing ideas... Now, I want to know what you... Most can, people have usually say... Most people usually say it in a nice way, but they're really saying, your idea is terrible. And sometimes I'd rather that they just say, that's the worst idea ever. Why would we try that? And actually help me through it as opposed to just what I feel like is patting me on the shoulder or the head. And by the way, I don't think this is a millennial gen z thing necessarily. I think we're seeing it exposed because of the generations that we have living and trying to interact together in churches today. But I can remember being told, you know, this maybe someday and when I was your age, right? And so I don't I don't necessarily think it's a generational category or um, difference and as it relates to millennials, Gen Z versus Xers when we were young. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? But it's definitely something we, we need to be cognizant of. But I, d- I do think I think it's lazy. Do you think it might be? Do you think it's lazy? I try
1: to understand it from both sides, but I mean, I think um, I think it's if I, I just I think it comes down to the responsibility of how you spend your time. And we've done a whole podcast on that, right? And that the laziness might not be about um, an inherent quality about a person, but just the laziness of not structuring their time well enough to have margins to actually be able to listen, you know? Yeah, so the last phrase you use in this
0: post or that you mention is the phrase, this is just the way we do it. And you say this, it's already challenging for a young adult to step into a congregation that seems geared towards an older generation. This is just the way we do it. Also means this is how our generation does it. It's a statement that says we're not taking suggestions. You wrote this, I don't know, a month or so ago. Do you still feel that way? Would you say it that way again?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't have the article in front of me, and I don't have it memorized. That's because right? I, I ambushed you. <laughs> but I. Um, this is is it. This is just the way it is. Yeah. This is just the way we do it. This is just the way we do it. And I. I mean, I, that's the biggest problem in the church today. I think is these generational divides and people are wondering where millennials are but then they don't actually want to change for another generation. And that's I mean this is not pointing fingers or you know casting blame on anyone here. It's just that when we when we when you when you sink into just traditions and habits you're not going to make room for anybody else to come in and create new traditions, new habits and that's just kind of sad, you know. Like there's something that's that's that are, that are great in concept, right? Like potlucks are still really popular. You know, people like groups love getting together. Millennials love coming and bringing some weird zany dish, some low carb paleo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of pseudo food, and uh, or na- all natural, <laughs> organic. Sorry, I'm done. Okay, <laughs> uh, but like some potluck kind of thing. And um, you know, just because like your church used to do a potluck doesn't mean you just stop doing potlucks. It just means that there's a lot of stuff that we've done that maybe could be improved. And so the other day, I was actually I was walking through our lobby. I ran into one of our executive directors, and uh, her name's Debbie. And I was asking Debbie, and I, at one point in our conversation, we were just catching up about something. I said, "Hey, can I, you know, can I ask your opinion on something?" And and I asked her about um, an idea that I had, and this is kind of like merging all three of them in a way. Right. And and her response was, "Oh, I don't see why we couldn't do that," which is such a great response, right? right? Totally. That's what you want to hear. And it might not still come to fruition, but I heard validation in that response. Right. And I heard a kind of support, like a go get them. And then she told me, uh, she said, Chris, don't be passive around here. And she said, you're not going to make it long term if you feel frustrated. And it's like she, like, she just went straight for the heart of the matter, was right. I hear you, and I don't want you to be frustrated.
0: Well, what I appreciate about leaders, and you used Debbie as an illustration, so <clears throat> leaders like Debbie, is that the pragmatic elements to to ministry in this context matter, but they don't drive everything. In other words, the first question that Debbie might want to answer is not the question, well, what works? Because what works may not be the best thing to do. There may be other ways to do it even better. There may be things that we think work that don't work. And I think sometimes the statement, uh, that's just the way we do it, is somehow we have arrived at what works. Right. So why would we adjust that? And that's thinking pragmatically first rather than, I would say, theologically, because if you can't go back to the why being something related to the mission of God, I always say if the church doesn't finish its sentences with the phrase, for the sake of the world in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then it's not doing what it's supposed to do, and I think this is one of those elements where pastors who might be listening to this, leaders who might be listening, can change their language and connect with millennials in in a and uh, affirming and, uh, and, and just generative way. So I just wanted to talk this through with you. It's a short podcast today. I want to encourage you to, to read as much as, as you feel you can take in at thinkburlap.com. Chris posts there. I post there. Other people from churches around the country are posting there. So we'd love to have you join our conversation. Thanks, Chris, for letting me uh, just ambush you on these questions. I appreciate it. I think it's been helpful for our listeners.